Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street. I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability, um, rape, uh, incest, domestic violence, which usually is about 80 to 90% of the time is going to be a man beating a woman and kids. So typically, um, about 10, 15% of the time might be female. Statistically, though, it, we know where it ends up uh, most of the time. So let's see what else. Uh, sexism. <laughs> Acknowledgement of privilege and power uh, with demographic uh, categories of race, gender, and socioeconomic status, ability, sexual orientation, etc. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, emancipation, foster care, therapy, 12-step. Uh, um, kink, BDSM, Buddhism, uh, reincarnation, things of this nature. Uh, might be that you're interested in some of these topics. I know I am. Uh, so maybe we could share some time together thinking about these things, or maybe that's a bit much for you. Might be kind of triggering, might not be what you want. You can consent. You can take this on or you can take a walk. It's all about up to you. And depending on your attitude, it might be off a short plank or where they say that short pier. That's what they used to say. Take a long walk off short pier. I've heard that said before. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Uh, so what shall we do? So uh, disclaimer, what else? Uh, this is a case study. It's one person. I'm not giving you advice. I'm just telling you what worked for me. I forgot mental health help kicking up. If you got dark thoughts or depression, etc., you deserve help. Um, and I'm just an example of some person walking through it the best way I can. So, uh, but there's a uh, mental health help out there. There's lots of therapy, counseling, support groups and the like. And I, I encourage you to seek those. Uh, I'm not a professional therapist. So, and we have personal responsibility to consider, right? So, and this is just my sharing my experience, strength and hope, I guess, from the rape and incest survivors perspective. Rock on, rock on. Put a little fence around the house. This is my house. <laughs> and, um, we don't express ourselves the way we want. It isn't going to be the people who have not been raped telling the people who have been raped how they get to communicate about it. In my house, here, we get to be present and acknowledge what is truthfully honest and we don't have to hide it, be judged, shame about it. We don't have to Medusa nobody. You know, come on. Let's sit there and just have some, have a cup of coffee and tea and let us feel normal just by acknowledging stuff, right? So, anywho. Okay, here we go. Uh, July 5th, July 5th, 2021, it's Monday. Uh, I feel humbled by the amount of topics that need to be discussed because they're very overwhelming and I fear, I fear I will not honor these topics. So thank you for your patience because it's going to be jumbled. There's a lot here and, um, in my experience with old stuff and old experiences and trauma and joy and memories, it can bring up an um, unpredictable consequence. <laughs> and it might take you a little time to figure it out. And you might only have a jigsaw puzzle piece. And it might take you a month or two or three before you're like, oh, that's what that was. Now I know I need to go to this now. Road less traveled, road not taken. Yes, okay. So let's see, let's check in. Where do we start? Um, the big thing, the big fish is, uh, 
well, two big fish, a long-term friend of mine uh, drove through and spent time in Walla Walla, and she had all the details about the house and um, my neighbors who died, you know, and um, so she went to the house this weekend and took pictures around it, and she walked down to the duck pond, and then she... There was an old hospital that was converted, and then there was the grade school, and, and the duck pond has a the duck pond has a house on it. The duck pond has a house on it, and it always had a little weird house on it. And um, <laughs> it's a strange, obscure little detail, but um, she was walking around and talking to me, going, "Check this out," you know. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh my God. Now, it's been four or five years since I've been there. And I, I've driven down the street, but I haven't walked around. I, I think I'd like to do that as an adult more so. But uh, she's walking around it. And I said, yeah, there was a duck pond. And that duck pond had a little house, had houses on it, right? Had houses on it. And there was an old duck house. It was like a weird little duck house. And it looked like a miniature house. And she goes, oh, yeah. And then she took a picture. It's been 30 to 50 years since I've been describing this to you. And um, that little stupid house is still on that fucking uh, that island. And yet, and they've got new build, they got new houses on it. So they've got more homes for the little ducks on that duck pond. Anyway, that was pretty cool. I was excited about that. And I know it's been decades, so it's never going to be, I had, didn't have any duck friends. I have had a duck friend though. Ooh, they can be, they're very emotional. Ducks are different. Ducks can bond to you real strong. Uh, they can have a beautiful big heart. Uh, I've known a couple ducks anyway. And now I've got some duck songs going through my head. There's a hundred thousand of those. Okay, let's see what we got going on here. Um, So that has brought up so much. Um, I want to finish some concepts though, just for housekeeping though. So, um. Yeah, so it's just kind of a patchwork quilt of things. Um, last time I was talking about an artist, uh, let's see if I can pronounce this name. I'm going to say some uh, foreign names, and I may mispronounce some of them. I actually have looked up pronunciations on three or four of these, so we'll see if I wing it after, well, I study it, and then I try. Um, I've been studying and thinking about a woman who's the most well-known female Renaissance painter, Artemisia, um, Artemisia Gentileschi, Gentileschi. Her father was a famous Baroque painter. She is the most famous female Baroque, uh, well, Renaissance pa painter, 16th century, seventh. Hang on a second, 17th century. Yeah, I think most of her stuff 1610 and later. Yeah, okay. Yes, that's 17th century, I believe. Okay. Renaissance, woo woo. She she was and she was an Italy. She was an Italy babe, that one. Um, what I was talking, I want to kind of tidy up or round out that because I really have been taking a deep dive on her work. Um, the thing she did that inspires me and the thing, the concept she's working that I'm trying to work with this podcast. She came from affluence and wealth, so we'll give her that. She also had socio socioeconomic and she definitely had race uh, demographic, um, daughter of a, a wealthy man. And so she was trained as a painter and she also was 
I mean, if you see her work, my God, you know, uh, the one you're going to want to know is, uh, I think her most famous one is Judith and um, Holofernes, Holofernes. <laughs> when you look at it, it's, it looks like Holo furnace. That's what it looks like, but uh, I, I don't know if I pronounced it right. And I've tried about half a dozen times, but there it is. Uh, the book of Judith, I don't think it made it into the Bible. Uh, I think there might be Jewish people, or it may be more of a Jewish doctrine that's read. The book of Judith. Um, uh, Artemisia Gentileschi uh, painted the decapitation of Holofernes. Uh, Judith cut her, his neck off. Uh, Caravaggio, another Italian painter, painted the same subject matter. And if you put the two of them together, Caravaggio's Judith and Holofernes, next to uh, Artemisia's uh, Judith and Holofernes, it's two women who were seducing a man uh, to save a village. And then they decapitate, in this case, I think it was a colonel. It wasn't the big king. It was a colonel or some kind of leader in the war. So Judith comes along in this mythical tale that uh, Artemisia paints. And it's a woman decapitating a man because he's a bastard and he's uh, he's a bad man, <clears throat> bad person. And he's trying to, you know, take over her country. So, and Judith is praised as a uh, warrior and a hero for putting herself at risk to save this uh, country. Um and uh, so why talk about this person? Uh, Artemisia was raped. I like saying that name. It's maybe easier to, than saying Gentileschi. Um, she was raped. The rape trial is one of the most sensational and famous old ancient rape trials that we have, documentary evidence of uh, her testimonials. The thing that she did, that's a concept that I'd like to do with this work here. All of her work, there's maybe, I don't know, I was watching a documentary. I saw about 79 pieces of hers and it's interesting to watch what she does, you know, and it, cause it kind of, um, she'll have the same tale from about five different contexts, you know, like that Judith and Holofernes. And there's a couple other ones where she was evaluating these mythical tales. And she, usually the woman servant was there with her. Usually the person who's the aristocrat or what have you, or the person who is in it, they're, they're hiring to do this work. And it's interesting just to see the way she's looking at things, you know. So the thing she did was she incorporated into most of her work, and she was paid good money to incorporate into most of her work a bunch of naked people, a bunch of fabrics, a bunch of perspective. She really studied her layout. When they were making these, the, the beautiful thing about studying artwork from this period of time and a lot of other periods of time, because you could just dive off, baby. There's so much to learn. From, you know, um, is it the Garden of Earthly Delights? You know, the Bosch, Bosch or Bosch, I might be pronouncing that. Just like Van Gogh, Van Gogh, Van Gogh. You know, it depends on what country you're in, how you're going to say that. Um, Artemisia, uh, Ms. Gentileschi, um, she used her work, was paid to show off and say, hey, check it out. Here's a rape. Here's a murder. Oh, woman, she's got a knife. She's going to kill him. She's going to pay him back. Hey, that son of a bitch raped her. Hey, look at this, a bunch of dirty old men. Is it Susanna and the elders? Is that her old one? I, I think that's one of her first ones. She was 17 fucking years old when she painted that one. Susanna and the elders in 1610. She was 17 fucking years old, raped, and then scrutinized. We get off on it. Hell, we get off on looking at Brittany and talking to her. Oh, my God, how scandalous, right? 
That's a human being with a heart, right? Artemisia Gentileschi said, okay, motherfuckers, you're going to make me be raped. Then you're going to make me be exploited. Then you're going to go ahead and give him a guilty sentence and let him walk three. For example, Bill Cosby as well. I'm not naming a raper. I could find it, but it's I, he's irrelevant. He's common. Let's talk about the artist and what she did with it. Because she turned this pain. Carrie Fisher, take your broken heart, turn it into art. Well, that's what Ms. Janileski did. Hot damn. I mean, come on. Uh, she studied the body. I don't know. Have you looked at her work? Hmm. Uh, she, of course, there's a lot of naked bodies going around. And of course, you know, they're showing off on perspective. They're showing off on fabrics. That was a big tell why they wanted to paint the drapery and shadowing of fabrics. Um, also, mm, Baroque. I, okay, I'm not going to get all the genres, the, the uh, you know, realism, naturalism, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Baroque has a very specific type of over-the-top filigree type of extravagance you know i associate the former guy who was a president i think he was drawn to baroque because it, baroque art uh, because they had a lot of gilding gold gilding and kind of over the top you know filigree just like i mean if you go to some of the churches that were made around that time it's like wow <laughs> you could just sit there and try to follow things and go this the calculations that it took to make these things were just stunning. And the people power. Just, oh, anyway. Okay, back to why is this chick, why is she relevant? She took her fucking rape. They exploited her. They, they took got off on it. They said, oh, tell us all the details while we gossip and criticize. And she was exploited and they still, you know, and then she got married off to somebody. And I don't know if that was a love match or not. But she had a career. She traveled around. She painted a bunch of famous things. And um, she was a hired painter. And she worked in these themes of a woman. You know, there's always nudity. A lot of times there was breastfeeding, Madonna, Madonna Child. Um, I just was so fascinated by how she turned these women into kick-ass warrior babes with knives who could kill. And say, you going to fucking rape me? Okay, pay me money to paint it. And you want to look at it here? You want to sensationalize me? Okay. All right, here's another person that I admire. And Dolly Parton's different. Dolly Parton, you know, here she is saying, quote, you know, they can go ahead and make fun of me. They can go ahead and call me dumb blonde. She goes, because I know I ain't dumb and I know I ain't blonde. <laughs> and she talked about that process of putting that big smile on her face. She's got some beautiful teeth, that one. I admire those teeth because I need several thousand dollars worth of work and I, I want to smile like a Cheshire cat again like she did um but Dolly Parton knows that there's going to be people and you know she's so she's so sweet and kind and generous kind of like um I just saw Jennifer Lopez doing carpool karaoke with James Corden and for whatever she is kind of like Britney Spears they have a range of art they do and it pop culture pop music it's also a lot of work and there's something about it that's special you know um, but my perception was Jennifer Lopez has charisma walking off of her. Just sitting in that car, she was so generous and kind and gentle and sweet. Like Dolly Parton. It's like they they both were exploited. You know that the men came on to him. You know that the men dim diminished their work and devalued their work and power and control and all kinds of things. Yet their grace. They're so they have a joyful, abundant, beautiful openness. Or they understand they're gonna keep their cards close to their vest because oh shoot I just dropped something on the floor that I didn't want to drop and 
I don't feel very good about that, so I'm just going to do a quick little break here. One moment, please. Hello. I'm back. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> well, okay. Uh, hey, here's a, I just spent about 10 minutes cleaning up a mess of uh, something I spilled. And it wasn't just any spill. It wasn't just any liquid. No, it had to be. I have a nutritional supplement I take every day that's a little bit of a pain in the ass. So, well, it actually helps you to avoid a pain in the ass, but it, it's a, you got to kind of prep it. And it's a chia seeds. I eat chia seeds every day. I've been eating chia seeds for over a decade every day. Um, chia seeds got omegas. They got fiber. Um, to eat them, you got to soak them in water first, though, um, because otherwise they'll expand and they're a bit like little tapioca nut knobs little nubs so uh but before you eat chia seeds you gotta soak them it's gonna take at least 15 minutes more like 30 minutes you know and in that phase you might be doing stuff around the house and you got to get to it well you might be setting up your little podunk uh <laughs> a little low budget uh podcast central here <laughs> capacity you might be setting that shit up and well then you might tip that cup over with a bunch of tapioca tea seed looking things and just splat that all over the place and then you might have to spend 10-15 minutes cleaning up gelatinous chia seeds off of your floor and that might be frustrating because it was for me <laughs> And it pisses me off. And every, and every once in a while that happens. Every 20 or 30 times I have that. It's like, oh. And I just, I just want, you know what? Although this is what was going through my head when I'm cleaning up those friggin' fucking seeds off the fucking floor. I'm sitting there thinking about Tarabrock. www.tarabrock.com. Uh, she talks about, uh, she's got a process in her, is it radical honesty, radical acceptance? She's got a couple of books that start with the phrase radical. She's got a series there. Um, but one concept she has, that's her concept, is RAIN. Uh, RAIN is an acronym for process you can do when you're frustrated and upset. Um, so their the acronym is R is for recognize, A for allow, um, I for investigate, N for nurture. Recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, right? So that's a concept that's helpful in being your better self-parent. You know, if you came from a family of origin where parenting might not have been done the best and you're finding sometimes you feel you want to neutralize things, you know, a big part of that's just allowing and accepting things. Like, for example, maybe you got a <laughs> recalled memory about a year or two ago of a rape that you experienced and maybe... Oh, I don't know. You might want to talk about it. <laughs> talk about the fact the whole line of it was raped, you know, and that everybody's just fine with it. So, um, and I'm not right now, so I'm talking about it, right? So anyway, I feel, so I was doing my rain. I was doing the Tara Brock rain on the uh, chia seeds all over my fucking floor. And uh, <laughs> I was like, fuck that son of a get paper towels i'm getting low on paper towel you toilet paper son of a anyway i was cussing and i can't use a towel because that's gonna be now i gotta wash that but anyway i'm cursing and 
recognize, allow, investigate, nurture. So I was in there to do self-talk. It's okay. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, it makes sense. You're frustrated. I'd be frustrated too. Do the best you can. Clean up 80 to 90% of it. Understand it's going to be five, 10 of those fucking chia seeds you're not going to find until it's too late. And that's okay. <laughs> you clean up a couple hundred and you'll be fine. So here we are back to, uh, I'm freewheeling it right now because I took my glasses off and I know enough to click on a button and click stop and click record. Uh, but I might have to put my glasses back on because I had something I wanted to read a little bit. Anyway. Artemisia Gentileschi uh, took her trauma, turned it into art, made a living at it, and said, you're going to exploit me, you're going to burn me up, or maybe like Britney Spears, you're going to exploit me in a 13-year conservatorship, which is completely out of construct. And <laughs> if you've done any, I'll say this, things are making sense right now, meaning the way is his name Jamie? The way Britney Spears' father is responding to the situation is textbook empathy disorder. Textbook empathy disorder. Um, an example I'll give of that. If you're looking for a narcissist or someone who might be a predator, there's some symptoms that they might do. And I, I'm not a therapist. I can't diagnose this. I can only say that I've read the DSM-5 or I've read this book or I've read that book. And your behavior patterns correlate with a behavior pattern described in these books because I don't have the degrees or the board certification to diagnose you. That being the case, <clears throat> uh, why does Jamie Spears look like a narcissist or a predator to me? Okay. When his daughter acknowledged publicly that he was a sadist, that he got off on her tears, okay, I'll pause for a second. With these predatory types and empathy disordered people, they do. And they ain't going to announce it. 15 to 17% of the population that have empathy disorder or narcissism, narcissistic traits or diagnosable narcissism. Um, uh, might want to massage the language on that, but you get the gist on that. And again, being that I'm not a professional therapist, I, I get to kind of muddle around with that because this is a one person story. Um, anyway, um, okay, that's a bunch of people with that disorder and ain't going to announce it, right? So, um, what has Jamie done? What has, well, I, again, I got to check on the name. I, a lot of times with predatory people, sometimes I have this subconscious thing where I block their name and I try willfully to learn the names of the victims and listen, uh, survivors and, and hear their stories. Sometimes I don't want to know the details of the guy other than it's going to be a man statistically 85, 90% of him. Uh, I don't want to know it because I don't want to give that space to him, uh, that person, that predator. And sometimes it's a woman. Um, but a lot of times I want to try to focus on hearing the story of the, the person who survived it, right? So the things, I'll, I'm going to list off some specific behaviors he's done that look textbook narcissist to me, textbook empathy disorder, okay? Mm. Number one, a woman who is financially paying for his room and board and has been paying for his room and board for 13 years is publicly stating in a court that she doesn't have control and that she's being financially abused by her relative and who is abusing the construct of this extreme conservatorship of 13 years with a person who's producing multi-million dollar, you know, Vegas shows, multi-million dollar, you know, this is obviously out of whack and he's still in control right now because that's the reality of things. That man's still her conservative. That man's still in control. That man wasn't taken away in handcuffs. He's still living in the house she's paying for. And that's the reality of things. And I'm just going to acknowledge it exists. And you won't call me a bitch and a pariah and a Medusa. Okay. Acknowledging reality is going to get you that. Don't tell me it's safe. <laughs> okay. But why am I thinking he's a narcissist? Let's get to it. Okay. First, 
there's a person directly stating this person has, and it looks on paper, what she's saying correlates with reality. It will be easy to find out if she has an IUD. It'll be easy to find out if she's requested repeatedly to remove it and they're not allowing that. Okay. It's also going to be easy to see if she has custody of her sons that she presently has. It's going to be easy to see if parental options, you know, that's something they evaluate. Um, although she gets to decide that with help and assistance from, you know, therapists and lawyers, she gets to pay for and choose. That's the way it should be, right? Specifically, uh, the behavior that's textbook narcissist that uh, the father of Britney Spears has done, he released a statement that is textbook, uh, as a philosophy student myself, uh, faux, the faux apology. It's an invalid argument in argumentation. Philosophy is the art of argumentation. And as I troubled myself to study it, get a degree in it. One of the things about that is you learn fallacies. That's why you can win arguments. Mama told me I should have been a lawyer. <laughs> anyway, um, so he makes a faux apology publicly. And you know how he does a fucking false apology publicly? That son of a bitch. Okay. <clears throat> that son of a gun publishes a thing and says, I'm really sorry she's hurting. Which is like saying to you, I'm really sorry you're an asshole. That's not an apology. That's a sad step. And that's the that's what narcissists love to do. They use the language and it's like a false, uh, it's like putting icing on top of a fake box. It's not real. It's like, it looks like a cake, but it's hollow, right? So um, first thing he did was he made a public apology state that was an insult. Okay. He said, I'm really sorry that she's so fucked up. That, he said that publicly. And he says, I miss her very much. You know what? It is contradictory to say publicly you miss somebody when they're saying you are a fucking leech. Get off of me. I've been paying your fucking wage. You're a tyrant. That's an inappropriate response. It doesn't make sense that a human being would respond in that manner, given those allegations. What it looks like is a bunch of fake ass. Okay. Try to be more. Re I'd like to adjust myself a bit and be more reasonable and just analyze it. Okay. Uh, okay, just look at the language. The language will give it away. Um, he stated publicly that he felt sorry for her. And he stated a shaming and judgmental thing about her mental health. This statement he made was called a false apology. And in argumentation, false apology is an invalid argument. If you are going to a speech and debate, as I have been to at least half a dozen state competitions when I was a teenager, um, not that I have perfectionism issues or anything like that. Uh, we, uh, not to say, that doesn't mean that you're the most competent. It means that you want to be, and maybe you spend an inordinate amount of time trying to be. But it may not be in that case. Speech and debate wasn't about looking good because you ain't, you're going to be a nerd in speech and debate. That ain't, you're going to get accolades. You ain't going to get letters on your fucking jacket for speech and debate. Okay. <laughs> but you learn how to argue well. You learn how to take up space and go, oh, I think you're full of shit. Or you can say that's an invalid argument and that doesn't follow. And, you know, you can say we disagree and just let me negotiate here. Take up space. Um, one thing corporate America is going to teach you, it might take you five, 10 years, but by about, you know, women, people of color, black skin, brown skin, uh, LGBT, you get into a corporate situation, you got to negotiate wage. It took me a while to learn. And then I figured out a little bit how to get in that boardroom with those sharks and negotiate, right? It took a little while. By the time I got to the end of 15 years of trying to be seen as equal, constantly fine, just to be paid equal fair pay, I was done. You know, I was chewed up, spit out, devalued, working twice as much to get half the, the pay. Anyway, and I also learned a lot, how to get a lot of fun in that time, but it wasn't all one, one way or the other. It's just heartbreaking, you know, put all that time in and just go, it's not going to change. 
you know, Bill Cosby's guy's freedom. He's making gigs. He's calling, making his, he's calling a, it's like Louis C.K. Louis C.K. can do what he does and he still gets to work. Everybody's just fine with it. Okay. So, um, where the hell am I going with this shit? Wandering around, wandering around. I get to do that sometimes. Okay. Um, I apologize. I probably have about 20 challenges just floating off there. My goal is to say Artemisia Gentileschi. Uh, hey, you made a living. <laughs> you said, oh yeah, motherfuckers, you're going to exploit me. You're going to put me out there. You're going to make me feel bad. I'm going to make a living. And the thing is, like Dolly Parton, uh, like uh, Gentileschi, these people had talent. These people had a unique talent that was a gift. Uh, Dolly Parton is a writer. Dolly Parton is a singer. They have a charisma, charm, and grace. Jennifer Lopez, she has a grace to her. And also with the Benefer thing, it's been back in the news lately. And seeing these people mature and still choose to be together. Uh, ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez have been rekindling things. Um, it's uh, it's kind of interesting to say, well, I perceive it that way. And maybe my perceptions of them are a reflection of myself. Maybe I'm projecting and transferring. Um, uh, I, you know, Jennifer Lopez's dance music. I've got maybe half a dozen of her songs on my my MP3 player. She's uh, she's got grace and charisma, just like Dolly Parton. Uh, these people that understand either they're just to have a genuine charisma and niceness to them, or they understand how to work their way through situations where people may or may not treat them fairly, and figure out how to get what they need through them or be transcend them in some way. These are people I want to learn from, watch and see what they do. So, because I would like to do some of that too. So. I'm shouting out to Artemisia Gentileschi because she became a professional painter. She became one of the most talented painters. That Well, the thing is, it's like being a female comedian. It's still the case. You go to like a L.A., you go to New York, 10 white men, one black guy, one woman. That's, like, <laughs> that's what the stats are going to be typically, right? So usually it's going to be temperate. You know, we're, we're getting a little bit better now and again, but it's still the case. We're still not in parody p-a-r-i-t-y so um anyway uh i want to take the house on valencia street and talk about what was actually done to us i want to somehow some way make it artistic or make it healing make it have information about predators oh i never did finish i want to round out on the britney spears thing i'll pause get back to this um britney spears let's go back to the father and what he did that was a textbook uh empathy disorder first uh, he gave a false apology in his public statement. He said uh, it's it's structurally not a sincere statement to say, I am sorry that you are fucked up. Again, what he did was say, I am sorry that you're an asshole. I'm sorry that you're just a vacant void of shit. That, that's what that translated to to me. And the ways you know that's a false apology, there's going to be a conditional statement. If uh, you perceive it that way, uh, you know, uh, they're going to say, I'm sorry you're fucked up. They're going to say, I'm sorry. Then they're going to make a judgment assessment of you in the statement. Um, the, uh, there's no sincerity. Uh, it is a judgment. Uh, empathy disorder people are really bad at covering their judgments. If you listen, it's very confusing because you have to pay attention and be on your toes with them. Because they like to wrap it up in shit. They like you to make you think it's going to be um, sweetness and roses, and it ain't. Right? So, now let's see. I, uh, I just heard a little beat. I'm trying to figure out if... Uh, Okay. Sometimes um, the place uh, people were doing some yard work, maybe I thought it might have been a lawnmower, riding lawnmower there. Anyway, um, okay. 
So the first indicator was he did a false apology in his public statement. So, and so that's a key, that's a calling card mating call for an empathy disorder. They give insincere apologies a lot. And it's really easy to see if they're insincere apologies. You know how you know if it's an insincere apology? If you have a conversation with someone that says, I'm sorry if you are upset. You pause and go, it is obvious and real that I am upset. Okay, that's actually happening right now. You know it and I know it. There's no conditional statement to it. Thing is, they got to have conditional statements and they got to have sideways movement because they cannot categorically take responsibility for their actions. Okay? They categorically cannot take responsibility for their actions. For example, her father, it would be appropriate since her, his, his own daughter publicly said, <coughs> you get off on my pain and you're harming me. It would be appropriate for her to say, him to say, I'm responsible and I'm sorry. He ain't doing that. He can't do that. He categorically cannot take responsibility. Okay? He further says he misses somebody. It is inappropriate contextually to say you miss someone when they're telling people that you are bilking them out of millions. It don't make sense. It's an irrational response that they are prioritizing their reaction to her statements. Right? And um, damn it, I'm going to have to pause again. One moment. Hello again. This is a three-parter. Who knew? <laughs> Spilling chia seeds and coughing and mm -hmm. okay, here we go. All right, uh, God, there's so much I haven't even gotten to today. Um, uh, I had a friend who was at Valencia Street House taking pictures, and we talked for hours. We've well, we've done some process and talking about it, you know. So that's really heavy on my mind. But let's get back to this. What does a predator do, and how do you know whether a predator? Again, I can't diagnose you. I don't have the degrees to do that. I can just say I've read some books that say this correlates with what they describe. Okay. So the, uh, the father of, of Britney Spears indicated to me, he used the language that nar narcissists and empathy disorder people use. Uh, false apologies. There'll always be a conditional statement. And they'll say they're really sorry, and then they'll just stop. And here's how you know it's a false apology, or it might be an empathy disorder person giving you a bunch of bullshit, okay? They'll go, you know, it'll be some time, you confront them about some stuff. They'll question your judgment. Uh, they'll make an excuse. Uh, they'll devalue your judgments. Uh, they might flounce, might do a flounce maneuver. That's another uh, empathy disorder script. Um, some of these scripts, or some of this information, is coming from some experts such as Dr. Romani. Um, she has a she has a show on YouTube you can look up. I've linked her before. Um, there's a couple different therapists uh, who are professional uh, psychologists who talk about this and um, uh, have helped me. Um, in the past, I saw a professional therapist after a relationship with someone who was a Vietnam veteran. And uh, his behavior was something I hadn't experienced before. And um, that therapy therapist helped me kind of understand things and draw boundaries with that person. Well, that's probably, I don't know, a decade. Yeah, probably a decade or so. <laughs> it's been a while. Anyway, um, so I learned more about empathy disorder. But a lot of times it's going to be difficult to find it out. And it's going to be too late by the time you figure it out, right? So, so here are some indicators. Um, if a person offers a false apology, and if you go to Wikipedia, 
F-A-U-X, apology. There it is. Um, you could probably look in a couple of argumentation books about it as well, um, you know, or language, at least, uh, books um, when it comes to these types of things, um, negotiations. Okay, so false apology. That's going to have a conditional statement. That's going to have a judgment or an implication. Uh, and there'll be no sense of remorse. I guess the biggest thing you're going to know, what, why, how do I know it's a false apology? This person doesn't sound like they're unhappy about it. This person doesn't feel like they feel bad about it, right? Um, so that's one way they're going to try to get away with it, okay? They're going to get away with saying, I don't fucking own I did it. I take absolutely categorical no responsibility, but I'm going to talk like I did or I'm going to blame it on somebody else. But I didn't do it. I can't do it. I can't. You can't hold me responsible. I can't be responsible for this thing. I'm going to die before I take responsibility. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some word salad. Word salad is a script that empathy disorder people use. Um, word salad is uh, I, I'm average height and medium build, right? So I just responded to a question of what do you look like? But I didn't tell you a goddamn thing. I was a bunch of error. Right? That's called word salad response. Um, empathy disordered people do that. Um, empathy disordered people make you ask a question four or five times. Okay, They're going to answer you, um, but they won't answer what you asked. They'll answer to the side of it. They'll give you um, a word salad response. They'll change the topic. They'll say, shiny, look over there. And you won't know, you won't know that you're there until you're like, what just happened there? That's one thing that texting can give you. Texting is a limited you know, platform. I don't think you should be sharing personal stuff or important stuff. You don't negotiate important stuff on text. And if you're forced to negotiate or, or talk about important things via text because a person is a communication problem, pause. If you don't want that, you don't have to participate. And it might be very heartbreaking for you to choose that, but sometimes maybe you got it for good boundaries, right? Okay. So uh, a false apology is a big red flag for an empathy disorder. And um, once you spot it, it's really painful because it might be someone you care about and have had a long-term relationship with or something. You're like, oh my gosh, this person is doing several evasive behaviors that are anything but being responsible and they're doing anything but listening or, or making amends, right? So that's the first thing. He, he made a public statement saying a false apology he made a public statement that was contradictory to uh, his flesh and blood who, who was paying his room and board saying, I miss her so much. Even though she said, my father listened to me cry for over an hour and he absolutely 100,000% got off on the pain. Does it make logical sense emotionally for a human being to say, I miss her very much in response to that? It don't make no sense. And his little brain, now granted there's liability and legality, certainly, but he's getting money off of her skin and bone and blood, blood and tears, okay? And she's got to wear an IUD under his, and he's going to say he don't know nothing about it. Okay, here's a second indicator you got an empathy disorder. You'll confront them with a reasonable concern. You'll say, hey, I've been paying your room and board for 13 years. Uh, you built millions out of me. And also you built, you know, you've built up this thing. I don't get heard, says Britney Spears, right? One of the first moves that he did, keep in mind he's been there 13 years. There has been a, a person who was a hired person. Now, number one, or number one, one of the features is uh, the co-conservator company about six months ago, they said, we're out. No, we don't want to do this. We thought she was under this with her own free will. She ain't, we ain't going to do this. We're out. So that was a trust that was uh, supposed to be working with him. They hadn't actually 
got fully on board, but they'd made a motion about six months ago to get on board. But they said, now we out this, this shit. Next, what does daddy do? Daddy blames a woman who spent two years helping Ms. Spears do her day-to-days, okay? For two years of the 13 years, so that's 11 years he ain't talking about. 11 years! He don't want to talk about that. But the next thing that an empathy disorder is going to do is going to blame somebody else. And it ain't going to make much sense. It's going to be like a peon. It's going to be someone else out of voice. It's going to be a poor person a woman, a black or brown person, LGBT person, maybe mentally a disabled person. That's who they're going to target. They're going to target someone real low on the organizational structure, right? So what he does is instead of saying, wow, for 11 years, I acknowledge that I have been making room and board off of my daughter and I have been keeping a cork in her. And I've been made, literally, he put a co- he put a cork in her coochie, motherfucker. He put a cork in her coochie not to have kids. Now, again, she has some custody issues going on with her kids. Get some of that straight. Get some therapy. Get some counseling. Let her choose her practitioners. You know, come on. Don't don't have a man making room and board off of somebody saying, I'm going to control you and tell you what to do. Uh, no. If they're making room and board, they got a conflict of interest legally. They should not be on that. That is, should be illegal. Like she said, they should all go to jail. Okay. Well, here's the thing. He going to give a false apology. Oh, that's an empathy disorder trademark right there. Um, he ain't going to take no responsibility. Okay, there's an absence of responsibility. There is a, an illogical emotional reaction to a person saying you have been earning income. You have been taking my money for 13 years and you're a sadist. It don't make no sense to say I miss you very much. That is a counterintuitive, defiant, opposing language. It don't make no sense. Okay. And what a fucking hypocrite that that woman is paying his room and board in his house, but he's going to say he misses her while he's sitting on his fucking kingdom and throne. I miss her very much. You're sitting there. Got, you got light bulbs on because she's paying for him. <laughs> Taking care of somebody with mental health issues. You get, she earns some income. This is extravagant. And he's still there. He's still, everybody's just fine with it. Okay. Second indicator. That son of a bitch blamed a woman who had been hired to work with her day-to-day issues on the conservatorship. I I can see her face in my head, but I can't remember her name right now. So the second thing he did was he blamed somebody else. Now, there's a guy named the former guy who was the president of these United States. United States. He's real good at that. Ask Michael Cohen about that. Yeah, Michael Cohen's got some opinions on that and has been on... You know, he had some real long-term consequence for trust in that former guy. <laughs> and he, everything he did was at the, okay. But anyway, I digress. So the second indicator that that guy looks like a narcissist is he's blaming someone who's only been working with that organization for two years. A woman who was doing the day-to-days for Britney Spears on her stuff. So he thinks by looking at him and said, oh, I had no idea. I don't have any idea what's going on, even though she's paying for my room and board. But And I, I'm going to act like I'm ignorant. Now, this is a willfully ignorant script. Okay, there's so much going on here that's so fucking textbook. Um, he also used the willfully ignorant script. Okay, willfully ignorant script for an empathy disorder is like when you say, hey, uh, you stole my money. Or, uh, hey, uh, you've been shit-talking me. Or, hey, uh, you know, you ate my food. Or whatever it was. You confront him. Um, so they're going to justify it. They're going to, they gotta, they gotta be willful. They gotta act like they don't know. If they pretend in their head, they don't know. It's like, um, when an ostrich puts its head in the ground, 
it's like a from American Beauty, never underestimate the power of denial. What they're denying is responsibility. They feel entitled to do it, see. And they don't they don't want to be responsible. So they're gonna make up a bunch of airy fairy bullshit because they have a void inside sometimes. Now this is some theories on this. They don't know how to feel. And so they fake feeling a lot, but they don't really feel things. So that's why they offer false apologies, is because they don't they don't feel they don't think about you unless what you're giving them. You gotta give them narcissistic supply. That's a gig. And you know what? If your room boy's being paid and her father thinks that he can be so willfully ignorant that he just doesn't know what's happening to her. If he denies reality, he gets to keep doing what he's doing. See? <laughs> that Like that. He's being willfully ignorant in ways that a conservator should not be willfully ignorant. Just like the former guys playing ignorance, willful ignorance. And you can't simultaneously be benefiting off and being willfully ignorant of what you're doing. And if you are, you're liable. <laughs> so that's... Legally, reliably, legally. Okay, so the second indicator that I believe he is empathy disorder and that I believe she has a credibility uh, is that he blamed a woman who had been working for that organization two years. And he felt no need to explain the 11 years of consistent behavior where she's been still continued to force to have that IUD much, much, much before this woman of two years was working there. Right. So the second indicator that he's got empathy disorder is he's blaming, he's sidestepping and blaming someone who's lower down the totem pole. Yeah, they're going to tend to target, they're going to target someone outside of their social, their socioeconomic race and gender. Uh, they're going to take advantage of poor people. Uh, they're going to take a picture. They're going to take advantage of workers. Yeah, that's what they're going to target. So he did that. And you can read about that. You can read about that in psychology, so all kinds of books. <laughs> so in my experience, what I've seen, uh, the therapy I've been through, the support groups I've been in, and what I've seen my friends go through and what I've lived through. Um, she seems like a credible person. Um, Jamie, uh, if that's, I got to check on the name. Her father uh, did three or four. The way he's communicating his textbook robot empathy disorder. Um, he did at least four things there that are textbook. And the thing is, once you see these patterns, this is the thing that's disturbing. Once you get, and I, I use empathy disorder rather than narcissism because I think narcissism personally for me feels like a ad hominem. It's, it's, it's an insult, right? Like bitch insults women, right? So, um, so I try to, it's hard to figure out how to talk about it. I talk about empathy disorder because it's a disorder. They don't have empathy and there's a lot more goes with that, but that's at least a starting point that's neutral enough to acknowledge what the problem is. Um, he's done it like four or five things that are just textbook empathy disorder. Uh, therefore, and these tend to be the people that are abusers, you know, because they get off on the sadism, right? Like I, I, um, uh, there's a supervisor at the post office named Howard who was sadistic and, um, he enjoyed your pain as a child. That's really confusing, right? So, um, anyway, so those are about four or five things where I go, uh, Britney Spears credible. And I'm also going to pause to, uh, you know, I don't, you know, her art, I kind of come and go with it. It's uh, sometimes not my flavor. Um, she likes to be looked at a lot. That's part of her job, right? And um, she seems to be very focused on her appearance. All that's also a pop star would be doing that. Um, I still think I am, might have some resentments. I don't know, not resentment, judgments. I think I got some judgments about her still. I need to maybe evaluate that. Although I admire this person and this person's been a catalyst for me to think about a lot of other things, right? So I'm going to kind of round out on that. It's going to be a long episode today. Oh my, oh my. So let's get back to this. I uh, also round out on Artemisia uh, Gentileschi. Um, 
she took what they did to her and she said, you're going to exploit me. You're gonna, I'm going to crawl up and I'm going to be a fucking Xena warrior princess. Crawl up this goddamn mountain and I'm going to make it happen, motherfucker. Pay me money. You want to exploit me? Okay. Give me some money. I'll, draw, I'll show you what they did to me. Ha ha. My voice, right? Just like these true comp podcasts. I'm really grateful for them on some level. Yet, why don't we get to talk about it? We may not be subject. We not be objective. <coughs> Who says I got to be objective? Right. <laughs> got to follow the law. But I get to have opinions, right? Also, with my mental health stuff, I'm probably going to criticize myself out of doing stuff anyway. <coughs> Thank you for your patience. I need to sip here. Mm. Mm. It's uh, carbonated water with some uh, orange juice concentrate. I'm not eating so good today. It's been prepackaged fig bars and oatmeal bars and snack bullshit. Um, Food can be a, I wrestle with it, you know, just trying to get through that day sometimes. So anyway, okay, we're talking about uh, artists. I, what I want to do is I want to take what's done to me and talk about it. Maybe make it artful. Maybe describe what occurred, you know. Um, so there's that. I want to talk about that. And um, Also, she has that painting. Um, Artemisia Gentileschi has the painting of Judith with Holofernes which I probably mispronounced. Compare her version to Caravaggio's version and see the energy difference. Um, the one thing I really love about the Renaissance painters many times, it depends on Baroque or, or flavor or location. Um, they wanted to make something still alive. They wanted to be so gifted with their shading and nuance and the way they drape fabrics and perspective and line and horizon. and um, So many techniques. That's another thing too they were doing a lot of calculations with this artwork. There was a lot of mathematics to it. There's a lot of mathematics to, you know, horizon, perspective, all of it. Even the, is it the golden ratio? Ratio of thirds, the uh, uh, Pythagorean theorem of things, the, you know, measuring beauty. What is beauty? What is a measurement of beauty? All right. <clears throat> so there's a little bit of that. And um, I had some more shit I was going to share. Now I got to put my glasses on. Oh, I really want to share this one. This is a good one. Oh, please indulge me. <laughs> An episode two ago, I mentioned there was a strange alien looking wildflower that looked kind of strange and I didn't quite know what the deal was on it. You know, um, had these strange purpley red kind of fuchsia leaves. And it was a wildflower and it was like a little bush and um, itty bitty bush. So, uh, I had one of those last year come down my water spout and then uh, they propped up. There's about a dozen of them. And the thing is in their various stages of growing or what have you. Apparently I've, I've spent an hour or two trying to find this friggin' plant and I found the plant. I think I found it. <laughs> I'm going to share with you a particular strange wildflower that I've got in my backyard. Now apparently it's not so common here. It's more common in Minnesota. I'm actually going to read you a little description of this plant off of a Minnesota wildflowers website, minnesotawildflower.info. Okay. The name of the beautiful wildflowers that are growing out of my back porch off the water spout are called the purple leaf willow herb, the purple leaf willow herb. Now, I want to read you a description off of this uh, Minnesota wildflowers, even though I'm in Oregon. I'd never seen a flower like this, you know, in my early 50s, and I hadn't seen a flower like this. So here we go. 
The four sepal, the four sepals cupping the flower are narrowly oblong, elliptic, and shorter than the petals in the bud. The sepal tips are usually distinct and may flare out some. <laughs> I just love how that sounded. <laughs> it's kind of poetic. And, and, you know, this little thing is kind of, I'm looking at a map here. Usually the national distribution from what I'm seeing is usually over on the East Coast side. You don't see this seed very often. Uh, that, and it's usually the habitat that this thing has got is marshes and muddy, it's muddy stuff, ravines, wet prairies, wet woods. Um, this thing is not, it's, it's a strange thing to be here. Now, I've looked it up and locally you can see this uh, maybe about 10% of the time. It's not a very common thing. And it's got these little four leaves that are kind of this whitish pinkish. Um, the leaves, though, they're like this, like it says, purple leaf, purple leaf willow herb. And uh, I wanted to find how to tend to it because I, I I can't figure out how to make this thing happy. It's like sometimes it's happy and I'm I'm trying to give it a little water at the base, but it, it's been really dry lately. And I'm, I'm just trying to keep them alive and I don't quite know. They don't talk about cultivation. They just talk about what you observe. So, anywho. But that's the name of that flower, and I'm glad I know. <laughs> it took me a few weeks. Well, that flower's been there a year, year and a half. It's taken me a while to figure out what it was. So the pictures match. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I suspect that I have a, a cannabis cough. Mm. I also suspect... Um, it's been 117 degrees this week, and I feel dried out like a fucking raisin. Yeah, okay. Mm. Okay, well, there's a little bit of that. There's this purple leaf willow herb. Mm, pretty little thing. I'll probably link that in my reference notes. It's not common for this location, so. And it lived, kind of, and then... My rhododendrons are still, <clears throat> man, I'm trying to tend to those, but they're, I, I don't know if they're going to make it. They've got some green leaves here and there, but there's a lot of brown looking shit on those. <laughs> and then my indoor plants, I, I need to repot those. Every, everybody needs to do that probably. Okay, focus. So we talked about Artemisia a little bit. That's good. She took what was done to her and said, oh yeah, she was successful because she looked straight at it. And she said, you know what? I was raped. Uh, here I am naked. I'm going to paint myself naked. I'm going to use myself as my model the majority of the time. Now, there's a couple different artists like, uh, let's see, Rembrandt. Um, some artists like to use themselves in self-portraiture. They like to use their face as their model. And um, uh, I think Gentileschi, they have some quotes from her saying it's expensive to hire models. And that's how she justified she used her face for the majority of her work, a lot of her work. Um, like in Susanna and the Elders, the majority of her stuff is her face on a bunch of naked bodies, <laughs> uh, naked people. Um, that's what they were looking at that time, uh, studying the body like that. Uh, her perspective was a lot different than mine is these days, you know. So, thank you. Taking your broken heart, turning it into art. That's uh, 
And also I'm going to say a prayer to all those hundreds and thousands of women artists that were completely ignored because there should be more famous. There's a handful of them, but like Sappho, you know, Sappho's going to be your, your corollary with a, I don't know, Socrates, Plato, right? Okay. Um, Sappho, I think she was within 100 or 200 years of that. I think she's right around the turn of the century. I need to look at my dates on that. But Sappho is a poet from Greek and Roman times. Woman. Uh, lesbian. Talked about female desire. Um, a lot of lesbians look to Sappho as original context or, or Judith, uh, biblical um, myth as well, to look towards uh, a different Judith than the uh, Gentileski's version of Judith. Uh, Judith is uh, before Eden. Eve, Eve in uh, Adam and Eve. So, uh, but we look to these heroes, heroes or heroines, these survivors, and see, well, you know, she's taking what was done to her and she's making profit at it. So, you want to exploit me? Okay, here it is. I'm really a gifted painter. I'm going to show you different things about that in her voice. And hell yeah, mama. Thank you for that inspiration. Okay. She's my shout out today. Thank you very much. Getting rid of that now. Um, and I've shared with you that little plant that I like. Oh, that's sweet. And actually thinking about reading a Minnesota description on an Oregon plant. I think that's fantastic. Okay. Um, the rest of the stuff. Well, not only has one of my good friends been to the Valencia Street house this weekend and take it, sent me a bunch of pictures and I'm still kind of muddling through. Like uh, recognizing the duck house on that island, you know, or recognizing she was walking, she walked down the street and then there's railroad tracks and there's a, she took the pictures at the back of the house and uh, there was a window in a room I forgot about, you know, I was like, oh, I forgot about that window because it was a weird, awkwardly placed window, you know, and uh, I don't know, just picking up the people that are at that house now. There's a lot to chew on with that one. And it was nice to visit it a little bit, but um the indicators are at this time that the people there probably are not, hmm, given the indicators of how they decorate their yard, the political leanings and the focuses and such, I, we don't, I don't feel comfortable approaching them right now. And I don't think my friend felt comfortable approaching them either. And that maybe that's okay. You know, cause who, who, again, if they've been there 20 years and they're happy with it, they don't need to hear, maybe they don't need to hear from somebody 40 years out. Like I used to live there and three or three of us heard ghosts and crap in there. And, um, anyway, so that's kind of kicking around a little bit. I uh, talked to someone today who loved my mother at one t point in time. I'm trying to figure out what I should call this one. <sighs> I still try to figure out if I'm going to name this one because he's still alive and I don't want to name people alive because I want people to have privacy. Right. So, um, you know, it, it's a negotiation. I'm figuring it out. I'm trying to err on the side of caution. Right. But it was interesting talking to this person who was there when I was growing up because he saw me grow up. So, you know, yet talking to him was really useful. Um, I saw him make some choices in communication where I might not have noticed it before my therapy you know, and, um, I shared some things, honestly, like some of his coworkers that he's still friends with a man that was married to my mother and he was married when he knew my mother and they were friends for some time, coworkers for some time. 
but uh, he brought up this person and said, oh, well, how about so-and-so? And I was like, oh, yeah. It was strange to talk to him and say, yeah, that guy left a, a bruise on my body the shape of a hand, right? And uh, my sister told me about that. I was four years old, three years old. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting acknowledging what is. Because the thing is, I don't necessarily want to traumatize people, although I'm acknowledging 40 years later, yeah, that person that you go golfing with or that person that you know is still around, he likes to beat women. He's a wife beater. He's a kid beater. And I saw bruises on my sisters and I saw bruises on me at four years old. I can remember that that guy gave me. So I'm talking to a man today. I reached out and I was kind of spurred by this Valencia Street house stuff because you only have so much energy for this stuff. It takes a lot of effort, right? Also, what's the goal? Just because I got a spiritual, you know, Joan of Arc calling. Something is saying, keep talking about it. You got to talk about that location. You got to keep talking about that house. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is my art project. Maybe this is going to help other people recognize predators. Recognize when they give you bullshit, false apologies. What makes, uh, listen, when they say uh, non-correlating emotional responses, when they're being directly confronted for horrific behavior, they take no responsibility for give you the eyes to see when someone categorically cannot take responsibility, cannot make amends, and that you have to make some decisions about your well-being, right? And also understand that sometimes you're going to be hypervigilant. Sometimes intimacy is going to be difficult. And there, as much therapy, as much counseling as you got, maybe just like, is it a Tim Gunn? Maybe going to be on your own. And maybe that's okay. <laughs> or like me in the last four years, I saw somebody for a year, but it was kind of, Let's share some space, not let's build a house together. And uh, that was just because of a context and such. And that was valid. We were dancers. We got to do that, right? So, okay. Anyway, um, I'm wrapping up here. I'm glad that today I got to bring you flowers. I got to bring you a purple leaf willow herb. Willow herb. And sometimes it's also known as a cinnamon willow herb or Easton willow herb. But mine has purple leaves. And they're really pretty. I still don't know how to treat it. I, I try to figure out watering it. They're wilting. They like the water. They don't like the water. I'm still trying to figure them out. That's why I looked them up. I want to care for these guys. I want them to grow real big. It's so dry here right now. We haven't had rain in a week or two with these 117 degrees. God, it's just been a week ago. I'm still reeling on that one. Anyway, I'm glad you're listening today. I, I want to be inspired by these artists that take their art and turn it into art and a lot of people came at him talked about him bullshit about him britney steers got back up and said yeah i'm still making art <laughs> artemisia gentileski she got up she's still making art i'm still thinking about her art and watching five or ten different museum creators talk about her brilliance and cleaning their paintings and wonder what her mind was like right sometimes that's really pleasing you know Oh, and my foot's still healing up after my five-mile walk this week. I got an old injury on my foot, old dance injury that woke back up. Being in your 50s, you got all these little injuries that remind you of some other times, right? So please know you're never alone. There's therapy, there's health, there's all kinds of options out there. You're never alone at the house on Valencia Street. Sometimes it's whether, well, it's whether you like it or not, right? Progress, motherfucker. Progress. Yeah.